Hi everyone and welcome back to The Frequency of Joy, a podcast all about learning to listen to your inner voice and up-leveling to the highest version of yourself. Whether you're a college student, recent grad, or years into your adulting journey, there is something in this podcast for you. I'm your host, Jess Mora, entrepreneur and published author, and I am here to help you start checking things off your life bucket list. So let's get started with this week's episode. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Frequency of Joy. I'm so excited that you opened up the Spotify or the Apple Music app today and decided to tune in to this episode because, let me tell you, it is going to be a good one. Today we're going to get in very deep, very personal into my own Latinidad and growing up in predominantly white spaces. So whether you have shared an upbringing very similar to my own or you are just now learning how to navigate these predominantly white, predominantly affluent spaces, whether in corporate America, graduate school, I hope you find something in this episode for you. So let's get into it. To start off, I think I need to talk a little bit about my childhood and my upbringing. I grew up on Chicago's north side. I went to an elementary school, the same elementary school for, oh, I want to say it was probably like 11 years from the time I was three to the time I was like 14. And everyone in this elementary school, pretty much everyone, I would say like 95% of the students there looked like me. We were mostly all Latino. We were mostly all Mexican within that Latino category. We mostly all spoke Spanish. I grew up with people who looked very much like me. So it wasn't until I got into this predominantly white, affluent high school in Chicago's Gold Coast that I had to question sort of where I was stepping into and how this might differ from how I grew up. I still remember to this day when I was in eighth grade and I told my classmates where I was going to school or where I was going to high school, their question was, why are you going there? It's for white people. That was what was on my mind when I was heading into high school, even though obviously I knew it was, you know, a private school. I knew it had more resources in my elementary school. I knew that I was also going to encounter some sort of culture shock if you will of going to a type of school like that but I didn't quite know what that would mean now keep in mind when I did start high school I was you know 14 I was trying to fit in as I'm sure we all are during those early teen years and so my automatic instinct was to try to do very similar things as people in in my grade I you know would try to dress very similarly like I remember high school there were a few times where I wore like heeled boots um, or like heeled closed-toed shoes to school because that's what I saw people wearing I am both like proud maybe but also kind of like sad to share that it was during my like fall quarter of my freshman year of high school that I became a Starbucks Gold Star member. That was how often I was going to Starbucks. And ba- like bear in mind, I did not have Starbucks money back then. But that was all a part of like fitting in. 
but it was also interesting because as much as I tried to potentially shift the ways that I presented myself, I, you know, actually wasn't really a part of like any like Latin American student organizations. I was really trying to not draw attention to the different aspects of my identity that I felt like could potentially clash with this new environment. However, at the same time, almost immediately when I started at this high school, people knew my background. People knew I was relatively low income compared to most people at the school because I had done an enrichment program like two years prior. And so for the most part, people knew if you had gone from that enrichment program to that high school. So my income status was not a secret. Everyone pretty much knew but I, I didn't want to let that define me, so I, you know, joined all these clubs. I did basketball, even though I did not pay for my basketball shoes, but I don't think I told anyone on the team that. You know, I did plays, I did things all the other kids did, and paid, I guess, less and less attention to how my Latina identity was being morphed during this time. Going back to my home life, my family life, I would say people could tell that there was a shift happening in terms of the spaces I was inhabiting, in terms of the way I was talking, in terms of the things I was talking about. So there was very clearly something going on. I just don't think potentially people in my family knew what that shift was. Now, fast forward four years, I get through high school. I end up going to a college in Chicago as well. And that was actually the first time where I felt like someone used the first generation identifier, which sounds kind of silly now because I use that identifier all the friggin' time. But needless to say, that was the first time that that happened. And when I went to college, even though I was going to college in Chicago, I'm born and raised in Chicago, I wanted that full-on college experience, so I decided to live on campus for those four years of college, except for the small bit of a pandemic near this my senior year. But living on campus was both a blessing and a curse. It was a blessing in that I really, truly got that traditional four-year college experience. I was, you know, having late-night study sessions in the library, going to, like, tutoring and, you know, our Friday night hangouts in the dorms or going out to a comedy, like, show on campus. Very much living this life that people in my family hadn't really lived before. I was the first one of my family, of my like immediate family, to be going to a four-year university in the U.S., second one of my total extended family going to a like four-year university that where I was like living on campus, so that experience was definitely very new to me, but as I was, you know, spending my time studying, as I was spending my time, you know, applying for internships, and trying to build an educational career as well as prep me and like set myself up for a career after college, 
the more I drifted away from some of like the traditional things of like growing up in a Mexican-American household, I had to miss a lot of like carne asadas, barbecues, um, baptisms, quinceañeras, like traditional family gatherings that would have happened because I was trying to build something that I was trying to figure out for myself for like the very first time. So really since the summer after my junior year of high school, I did not spend any summers home. I was either doing enrichment programs, internships, um, programs at college, research opportunities, all these kinds of things that made it so that not only like during the year was I not really living at home because I was living in the dorms, but also during the summer, I was not really living at home or like living in Chicago. I was doing all these like three month travel opportunities elsewhere. And in a way, while I'm so, so appreciative of the opportunities that I've been able to have, the people I've been able to meet, all of those things have shaped me into the type of Latina that I am. In the sense that, you know, my brother, for example, grew up, we grew up in the same household. We both grew up in Chicago. We've had very different opportunities come up for us and we've had very different paths in life. We've taken, you know, different routes in terms of what we like to do, what we want to do. And that's totally fine. A-okay. I'm super proud of all the things that he's done. But it is super interesting to me that for him, it's so much easier to sort of, and like assimilate isn't even the right word here, but that's the word that comes to mind, into traditional Mexican slash Mexican-American culture than it is for me because of the spaces that I've grown up in. When you see my brother, you see a Latino man. You see a Mexican man based off of the way he dresses, based off of the music that he makes, based off the music that he likes to listen to, the things that he likes to do. And when you see me, you <laughs> I've gotten feedback from people, strangers and, you know, classmates, peers alike, that I come off as more white. And sure, part of that is the fact that I'm more white passing than I gave myself credit for in the past. But I think another part of it is my identity has been so shaped by the environments that I grew up in. The fact that I spent eight years in predominantly white spaces, that that's kind of become an ingrained part of, for me, what it means to show up as Latina. Like, I don't really listen to traditional Mexican music. It's just not, you know, the type of music that I gravitate towards, which I find is a-okay. Another interesting part is that usually, similar to the not listening to Mexican music part or, you know, traditionally not playing soccer, is that I have now come to realize that I'm both too white for these Mexican spaces because I don't do any of the traditional activities that one would typically do in these spaces, but also too ethnic for white spaces. 
multiple times throughout my life I've tried to bring in my Latinidad into white spaces whether by bringing you know sweet bread um, like Mexican pan dulce to a classroom um, during my time at in high school no one ate it because it's hard for people to eat something that they are unfamiliar with but that becomes kind of a true pointer and outlier of my lack of fitting in in those spaces or my lack of like being able to have these like ethnic components accepted in these spaces and I think it's interesting to see or to try to grapple with how these differences will potentially only get bigger as I you know moved to New York almost a year ago and you might think like okay Jess if you want to get closer to your family if you want to be in touch with your Mexican roots have that be a bigger part of your identity why not move back why are you still staying in New York City a place that yes has Latinos but they're mostly like Dominican Latinos Caribbean Latinos um, Ecuadorian Latinos which honestly has been a great experience in and of itself getting exposed to different Latino cultures but the reason why I feel like I have to stay and it's not really an option for me to move back is because I feel like it's in New York where I have to build something for myself by myself it's in New York that I feel like my business has been able to thrive over the past year with various speaking engagements and brand partnerships it's in New York where I feel like my career has really set me up in a place to continue to grow and eventually be that self-employed entrepreneur that I want to be it's in New York where I have access to people who are doing very similar things who are also wanting to establish their own business, who are also entrepreneurs, who are also content creators, who continuously push me to do bigger and greater things, to take risks, to not be held back by limiting beliefs. I don't think those things are specific to New York, but I feel like those things for myself have come a lot easier in a city like New York. I also feel like Obviously, the older I get, the more comfortable I get with certain aspects of my identity, like my Latinidad. I very recently created a like Latinx employee resource group at the company that I work for to bring a space and make a safe space for Latinos in the corporate world to feel like they can bring their fullest know selves to work that they can speak spanish or spanglish or speak english or share that you know new bad bunny song that everyone is listening to or talk about the you know the different like like latin grammys the different latino chisme like shakira and pique and all that kind of stuff we don't usually have those types of spaces in a corporate sphere and that's why i created that employee resource group to try to encourage that younger me to feel like she can come out to the fullest of of her abilities to feel like she can be latina in whatever ways it means to her even if it means you know being a little different than you know how my brother might show up as latino or 
how other people might express their Latinidad, knowing that it is a-okay for me to feel as much of that as I can and as I want to and express as much of that as, you know, feels like it resonates for me in a given point in time. So obviously, still a work in progress, still a lot to be done. Um, Not a perfect journey in the least, but I hope that regardless of where you are in your own identity explorations or identity expressions, you were able to take something away from this episode, whether it's navigating predominantly white spaces or, you know, being okay with how Latino you are or not or how you perceive yourself to be. Because truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter if you speak Spanish, if you live in Pilsen in Chicago, if you like have traditional Mexican meals every dinner, identity is identity and if you consider yourself latino latina latine latinx latinat mexican american whatever it might be that is your identity to build your identity to craft and whatever factors come into play and play a role in that that is a-okay and i think that's the lesson here so I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I really appreciate you tuning in, continuing to support me. Please, if you haven't already, leave me a review on um, Spotify or Apple Music and follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Elialith underscore Jess. I would really appreciate it and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.